Gavin Newsom, you know, I have no idea when he's going to run for president. I, I think, you know, I think he, he will at some point run for president. I don't think he can succeed. Welcome to Cabot Talks. This is Brian Cabotek. I'm the former president of Consumer Attorneys of California, the former president of LA County Bar, and a practicing lawyer in Los Angeles. And with me, of course, is my brother, my my younger, but much smarter and much more attractive brother. I'm being nice today, John. So my brother, John. You're starting off well, Brian, and I'm grateful for that. Good afternoon, everyone. This is John Cabotech. I'm the president of Cabotech Strategies. I also wear the hat as the California State Director of the National Federation of Independent Business, Small Business Advocacy Group. And we're so pleased to have with us a very special guest, good friend to both Brian and myself, Dan Moraine. Dan was a reporter for 27 years with the Los Angeles Times, where he covered state policy, state national political campaigns, and he's a former columnist and editorial page editor of the Sacramento Bee. Dan's also served as a senior editor with Cal Matters, a very popular political website, but also has been the author of Kamala's Way and American Life, which is the first biography of our vice president, Kamala Harris. And well-reviewed, well-respected. I've seen it recommended by several organizations. It's a great book. I haven't read it yet, Dan. If it's on audiobooks, let us know because I'll download it. I don't think I can read anymore. <laughs> it is on audiobooks, and the and the woman who read it is just fabulous. Did you it, get Kamala to read it? No, I didn't even get Kamala to help with it. And and whether she read it, I have no idea. But yes, it's on audiobook, it's in paperback, it's out and about. I've heard good things about it. So Dan, today I think what we want to do is talk a little bit about California politics. That's our focus here. Let's talk about we're we're recording this at the very end of June 2022. Let's talk about this election that we just had and what are we going to see between, you know, now and November? What are the hot button issues in the election? What are your takeaways from it? I'm 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 sort of curious. I it was it was a better than expected but still poor turnout, right? Yeah, well, yeah. There was nothing really to draw people to the polls unless you were in San Francisco and and cared deeply about Chesa Boudin and his fate. There were a few local issues but really, this the statewide ballot who's running for state controller, I just don't think draws people to the polls. It's an important office who's running for California attorney general. As you know, Brian is a hugely important office, but that's just not the sort of thing that draws people to the polls. I vote on that. You vote on it. But the vast majority of, of Californians don't know what a state treasurer or a state controller does. So they're just not going to they're not going to get too motivated. Turnout will be greater in the fall, always is. And, you know, there's an incredibly interesting mayor's race between Caruso and, and Karen Bass. That'll, that, that certainly will draw people if there's a recall of George Gascon, the L.A. County District Attorney. That certainly will draw people out. It's going to be a real sleeper of, of a race for governor for U.S. Senate. And those are at the top of the ticket this year. So so I'm not, not sure that's going to matter to too many people. Obviously, congressional races in California are hugely important. You know, there are about 10 competitive seats in California for Congress. So in a very real way, control of the House of Representatives goes through California. That's going to be 
well, probably not determinative of, of whether Republicans take control, which, you know, I guess most most wise guys believe is going to be the case. I'm not so sure it is going to be the case, but uh, but then I'm not very wise. Well, I, I think it's really interesting. We're, we're coming off of the Roe v. Wade decision, and I can see that that might have an effect in California. I mean, I look at the situation and say some of those 10 swing seats that you're talking about might swing Dem just because of that. It might bring people out, but then maybe not. It, it really depends on you know, does Roe wake up people who otherwise would be apathetic? And does it wake it up on, on the Dem side or the Republican side? Well, there just aren't very many Republicans left in California. So the, so the real Sorry, issue John. Is, so the real issue is, is going to be, will this motivate Californians? I mean, California will have a ballot measure in November asking specifically whether abortion should be written into the state constitution. Right now, as, as you know, of course, we have a right to privacy written into the state constitution. It's been there since 1972, predates Roe versus Wade, the U.S. Supreme Court decision. So we have a right to privacy, specific right to privacy in California. But this would specific, this ballot measure, which the governor if he hasn't signed already, we'll be signing moment, you know, any, any day. Governor Newsom will guarantee the the right to reproductive health care. Well, I think it'll also and I don't mean to dominate the conversation yeah. here, John, but I also think it'll guarantee to bring out voters. Well, and I think I think that's true. I think that's true. And mostly Dem voters, I, I suspect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's no in my humble opinion, there's no doubt that in the in our generation, our lifetime, California is never going to outlaw abortion. So it is it's it's sort of a belt and suspenders. You don't really need it, but it's going to bring people out to the voting booth. So my thought, at least. Well, yeah, an issue like that is obviously going to kind of polarize both sides, I think, who are in the far left, far right. But Dan, thinking about some of these other issues, I keep seeing polls and surveys, crime and homelessness, crime and homelessness, crime and homelessness. Besides Roe, I mean, what other issues? Are those two issues? Are there other issues that you think are going to sustain through Election Day? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think abortion rights is a singular issue. I don't think there's any issue. I don't think there's any issue like it. And I think it's sort of table stakes. And it's not just left versus right. I mean, I think that this is a, an issue that, that matters a lot to people who, who don't vote very often. You know, the strongest supporters of Roe versus Wade are young men. Young men don't vote in any kind of reliable way. That may change here. You know, it may be the sort of issue that will motivate a 24-year-old young man to, to, you know, cast a ballot. So, sure, I think it could be a really important measure but in, John's in terms point, of drawing people. But, but yeah, of course, homelessness is a huge issue. And, and I mean, look no further than in, L.A. That's the mayor's race is, is homelessness and crime. Sure. And, I mean, certainly that that was... You know, that was the issue that drove the district attorney of San Francisco out of office, uh, fairly or not. You know, people were con- people had concluded enough people had concluded and it was a you know low turnout. But nonetheless, enough people concluded that he was not doing enough to combat crime in, in San Francisco and they voted him out. Well, yeah, of course it matters. But at the same time, I mean, we have to remember that that the initial take. The vast majority of people in the vast majority of, of national political analysts and writers concluded shortly after Election Day 
that California had shifted dramatically to the right. Well, that's just not true, right? Karen Bass is, is significantly to the left of Rick Caruso. And in smaller races, you know, Gil Cedillo, the city councilman, got, got voted out of office, lost to somebody from the left. Right. You know, I know Gil pretty well from his days in Sacramento. There yeah, weren't too. too many legislators who were more liberal than Gil Cedillo. And yet he, he, you know, he got knocked off by somebody to his plus left. I thought so, had a plus I thought had a solid base in his in his district here in L.A. Yeah, and, well, sure. So, you know, me, you know, you know, but let me tell you, Dan, I guess one question would be obviously California probably will never really see a red wave here. I get that. But look, let's see the people who have been in charge with some of these problems that have languished. They have been more left of center. Do the voters here at least get fed up enough to where California, we see more of a purple wave in California? I mean, let's see. We got progressive mayors. We got progressive DAs. We got a Democrat governor and owned legislature and Democratic slate. At some point, do people point the finger and say enough is enough or we need to find a new party? You know, I don't think a third party is, is realistic in any time soon. You know, we saw that no party preference voters and I'm one. You know, I mean, they have you know, people who run for office as no party preference candidates just have not shown an ability to win. You know, the Sacramento County District Attorney Anne Marie Schubert uh, uh, should have been a good candidate. She got, you know, she's, she's single digits in, in that race for Anne Marie Schubert. The Sacramento County District Attorney should have been a strong candidate. She got seven and a half percent of the vote last time I checked and, and didn't come close. There's no party apparatus to help a no party preference candidate. And third parties just don't have the organizational strength of the Republican or Democratic Party. I don't know, John, I think so, that, you know, the, the problem becomes it, it is issue driven in some extent. I mean, you look at Los Angeles. You would think that Caruso would have gotten an overwhelming number of votes, which he didn't. And he's running on sort of being the anti-homeless clean up the streets candidate. And people, you know, seem to think he's the smart money. And then Karen comes along hardly a dollar on advertising and has a very strong showing. So it's very hard to predict, you know, and to say, oh, well, People are going this direction or that direction. I don't know how to read it. I think that the the notion of a purple wave, you know, maybe, maybe, but you know, we'll 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 see. There there are a couple of congressional races that 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 will be quite telling. I mean, David Valadeo running against Rudy Salas in, in the Central Valley, and and Mike Garcia running against the Assemblywoman, who ran against him two years ago. Chrissy Smith, I believe. Is that it? Help me, Brian yep. or John. And, you know, so so those are those are bellwether races. Katie Porter, if she can hold on to her seat against Scott Baugh, that'll be a very interesting race. You know, so we'll see whether there's purplish wave. I'm not so sure. I, I think California is pretty solidly Democratic. You know, 2010 was a huge Republican wave nationally, and it basically stopped on the eastern side of the Sierra. You know, we may have big Republican wave in 2022, but the experience has been that California makes its own weather. So I'm I'm going to be surprised if if there are too many Republican pickups in 2022 in California. Nationally, it's a different story. 
Dan, what would the Republicans, if you were advising Republicans, and what would be something that would, you know, you would tell them that would help make them not just more relevant, but relevant? And then conversely, if you were advising the Democrat side, what would be some advice to give them that they just not lose that relevance, that they not lose the grip that they've got, that they could easily do, you know, I mean, what, that they could slip up and do? Yeah, well, Democrats have to seriously deal with, with homelessness. And by seriously deal with it, they're going to offend part of their base, the people who believe to their core that, that you have a civil right to you know, live as you see fit, even if you are so ill, you don't know you're ill, or people who you know, just choose to live on public property. And in order to, Democrats are going to have to figure a way to deal with that. That's got to be a small and, percentage of, of the left, the Democratic yeah, you would, left. I think it is a small percentage, but it has held sway. Yeah, Some bills are moving through the legislature as we speak that would, you know, perhaps have an impact on homelessness as it relates to seriously mentally ill people, yeah. but others are being held up. And I do agree with you. I think that I think some voters will switch if this problem isn't swiftly and adequately dealt with. And I don't think people in California, you can disagree with me, but I don't think people in California even mind spending the money on it. I think they're oh, no, willing. We, we spend a boatload of money on on homelessness and mental health care. I mean, comparatively, I mean, you know, California is going to spend the, you know, there's the millionaires tax or the people who earn a million dollars or more a year that was approved by voters in, in 2004. Well, this year, that's going to that's gonna generate $3.8 billion. I mean, that's a ton of money. Yeah. And, you know, and no other state spends anywhere near that. And, th and that's only one piece of what we're spending on the care of severely mentally ill people, right? We, the money is not the issue. The issue is, you know, finding shelter beds, finding the, the I mean, it's, it's just a whole suite of issues. In California, I don't really believe the issue is money. And then in, in terms of what Republicans are going to have to do, I mean, Republicans are going to, in California, are going to have to figure a way to separate themselves from the, from the National Republican Party. I mean, so long as Donald Trump dominates the party, so long as, as extreme anti-abortion politics dominate the Republican Party and pro you know, it's a strongly Second Amendment sort of NRA-ish gun politics dominate the Republican Party. I don't think the Republican Party in California has a prayer. You're not defined by rational Republicans in California. You're defined by Donald Trump and now the, the U.S. Supreme Court dominated by Trump appointees, Republican appointees, Mitch McConnell. You know, the, these are that that's how the Republicans are, are, are perceived. And, 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 and that just think, doesn't sell in California. Right. And I think that if, you know, the Republicans take the House and Kevin McCarthy becomes the speaker, I think that's bad for California Republicans. I mean, it's obviously good for him. It's good for the Republican Party. But but then I think voters in California are going to see him as part of the Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump arm of the party. And they're going to flock even more. You know, don't get me wrong. you got people who love that. But there just aren't a lot of them in California. In fact, I think as my brother says, they could fit in a phone booth. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, there are 24 percent of them, but not 24 percent who are as far to the right. Uh, it's not even right. You know, I mean, let's let's be real. We we three grew up in a time when there were really smart, thoughtful Republicans who had legitimate differences 
with Democrats, but their policies were rational. You know, I, I started paying attention to politics in California when George Dugmation was governor. Well, you know, he did some things that that really irritated Democrats, but he's the one who made it happen that California divested its holdings in, in South Africa to benefit the end of, of apartheid. He's the one who signed not just the assault weapons ban in California in 1989, but bills that made it impossible for people with severe mental illness to get firearms. And some pro-consumer, um, pro, some pro-consumer, you know, trial lawyer type bills he signed. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, I, you know, I, so not too long ago, I was getting on an elevator and Gray Davis and Pete Wilson were getting off and they had just had lunch together. And, and we looked and we looked at this and we said, you know, that would never happen today with current Democrat and Republican right. politicians. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you uh, know, I've been dwelling in my current project in, in the uh, 1960s and 1970s. And, you know, Ronald Reagan signed some some pretty big bills, including including legalizing abortion in California in 1967. Right. But more than that, I mean, he, he signed a bill that basically created what is now in an excess of $10 billion state program and an entitlement for care for people with developmental disabilities. It's an entitlement in California. That happened in his administration. I want to ask my brother, the Republican, a question here, John, put you on the spot. Do you think Ronald Reagan would recognize the Republican Party today? I think he would feel that they're not as representative of the complexion of California and the California voters. No question about it. But Brian, I would say this. Give, give a, well, let me just let me come back to that. I mean, I know you said that in California, you know, we could fit as fit all of the Republicans in a phone booth if people, the younger generation, still understand what a phone booth is. But I think we could fit them all. There's a few more, so give us some credit. I think we could fit all of them in into Nancy Pelosi's hair salon, and we'd be just fine. There's a little bigger, a little more space. My point to that is, yes, Dan, you're absolutely right. There are there is such an extremism in many ways that is not in touch with the average voters here on the Republican side. But again, I really firmly believe, Brian, many of these folks are sitting there going, look, we got Nancy Pelosi. We've got President Biden. Their popularity is not high. Look how things are going in California and the United States. I think there's enough voters here, Dan, aren't there, who are just frustrated. Like, how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? And it's enough people are frustrated with inflation, with still a lot of our global economic challenges. And I think, frankly, on top of that, we have just a lot of bureaucracy still with things not people not seeing it in their back pocket and what they're going mm -hmm. for feeling and they're not feeling yeah. safer. So there's got to be at least more of a purple rush here because I still feel, Brian, there's enough Democrats out there who are just not also living up to their obligation of playing in the middle either. Well, I, I would take exception with to what you said as it relates to California, the view of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I think she is I think she is incredibly popular among Democrats in California. And Democrats are dominant in California. So, you know, nationally, I suppose Republicans will run against Nancy Pelosi. I think that that's a losing proposition in all but, I don't know, seven or eight districts in California, congressional districts, because I, I do think that she, that she has has gained some, you know, pretty significant support in California. Biden is another story. You know, his approval rating is in the tank, but, you know, that will change. I believe the closer we get to 2024. But you're right, John, it is, you know, crime and homelessness are, are really important issues and really is, it, it is up to Democrats to fix it. 
well, it's up to all of us to deal with it. And that includes if we happen to live in a neighborhood where there's going to be a shelter to understand that everybody needs a place to live. And, you know, maybe we should sign petitions to disallow a shelter from being built in our neighborhood. Well, you know, NIMBYism runs deep in California. Sure. So, yeah. but we all have a responsibility here, but politicians are going to be judged on their success or, or, or lack thereof in solving this issue. Gavin Newsom, you know, I have no idea when he's going to run for president. I, you know, I think he, he will at some point run for president. I don't think he can succeed. So I have no idea when Gavin Newsom is going to run for president. I, I believe he, he wants to run for president at some point. He's not going to run against Joe Biden. I can't imagine that. I just have a hard uh, time seeing right now the climate in the country right now, Gavin running for president. Yeah. Well, I just have a hard time seeing him elected because well, there's such an the middle states, the, the, the flyover states are just such an anti-California sediment. If things change, he might. Well, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to win. Right. <laughs> but his table stakes have got to be that he has made a significant dent in our homelessness issue, that he has helped solve the mental illness the, the, the problem of severely mentally ill people on the streets of California. If he can make a dent in that in a serious way, well, then he becomes a more significant player nationally. Yeah, it is such a big issue in big city California today. Hey, Dan, let's pivot and talk about what are you working on right now? What, what are you passionate about? What are you working on? Well, you know, like, like I was telling you, I spent the last four hours in state archives and I've been dealing, I've been reading through the files of assemblymen who died 40 years ago, 41 years ago, by the name of Frank Lanterman, who was a Republican, who wrote some amazing pieces of legislation. I mean, he, he's the one, my focus really is on sort of the politics behind our, our messed up mental health care system. That's what I hope to write another book on. Uh, we'll see. And, and so I've been reading through boxes and boxes and boxes of, of his old bill files. He was a Reagan Republican, a Reagan ally, fascinating man from La Cunada, Flint Ridge. Which incidentally, uh, I mean, just as a side note, where my brother and I grew up in that area, and I think he would have been our uh, state senator or congressman. Uh, was he, he assemblyman. Was a, assembly he, member. Yeah, yeah, he was 28 years in the assembly Yep, and truly became an expert in this area. And and brought Ronald Reagan along with him. You know, Reagan signed his bills. <laughs> Lanterman was was Reagan's chief ally, chief lieutenant in the assembly. Duke Mason was his chief lieutenant in the Senate. And the three of them together did did some you know pretty amazing pieces of legislation. So that's what that's what I'm working on. So it's the 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 politics of our messed up mental health care system is what I'm interested in. And it's so inexplicably intertwined with. The homeless problem, the drug yeah. and alcohol problem, crime, and crime, crime. Yes, yes. absolutely. All of that for sure. Yes, it is. Hey, Dan, yeah. you've been great today. But before we let you go, this is the fun part for John and me. Maybe not so much for you, but we get to ask you some very quick questions. Don't think too hard about them. Sure. And we want to know think. a little bit about you. We want our eight. If you call them our mother, you want we want our eight listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So, John, you want to go first? I would love to. Thank you, Dan. Without thinking too much, favorite movie. Favorite movie. What oh, movie? Casablanca. Yeah. So I came here for the waters. I was misinformed. Okay. Favorite meal. 
You want one meal, you're going to oh, have the rest of your life. Favorite meal. You know, it's going to be pizza, man. Of course. Now, what kind of know, topping? Different kinds of pizza. Well, you know, I, I really like pesto pizza, pepperoni, and just anything other than, you know, Hawaiian. Oh, I'm so with you. I am so with you. I think that's an abomination. Total. Pineapple and ham on a pizza. It's just, it should be illegal. It's crazy. Brian, you yeah. love Hawaii. You love Hawaii. You just I don't, don't like want it Hawaiian on a pizza. pizza. You don't want it on, on cheese sure. and, and tomato sauce. Speaking of Hawaii, Dan, place you've never been that you would like to go to, especially now that you've got some little bit of time. Yeah. Well, you know, my next, our next, my wife's and my next trip, I hope is to Ireland. Big trip is to Ireland. So I've never been there. What was Need your to favorite, get there. What was your favorite show as a kid watching on television? Jeez, what was my favorite show on television? You know, probably Bugs Bunny, maybe Yosemite Sam, Three Stooges. But I'm not I'm not thinking, you know, I, I, my this is kind of funny. My mother used to really limit television. And she told me as a very young child that if you sit too close to the TV, you will get TB. I had no idea what TB was, but it scared the <laughs> hell out of me. And so, wow. so I, I did it. Our mother told us something about going blind, but that's different. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Stopped right there. This is one Brian asked whenever we're together at family gatherings. What is a song that you despise, Dan, that you despise that you usually think? Oh, anything everybody... by Van Morrison. Oh, anything no. by Van Morrison. Wow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's, I'm sorry. The peanut, mine's the Pina Colada song, which I believe is the worst song ever written. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Which yeah. opening line is, I grew tired of my lady. Just that right there. <laughs> What's your yeah. favorite song, though? I don't know. Right now, anything by John Prine. He, he died too young early in the pandemic. But but I, I spent a lot of time listening to John Prine songs. One thing we, we haven't pointed out is where Brian and I met, which is at Consumer Attorneys of California. I worked there after I quit the LA Times in 2009 for about 10 months. It was a great job. I loved working there. And so I'm trying to remember, you were president then, and then when I, when I started. I was probably president like that. I was president 12 and 13. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I well, was very anyway, anyway, that's that's where Brian that and I met. And it was a really nice job. Good, good bunch of people. And I was happy to be there. Uh, that was the, when the year great Brian was president while you were there. Was that the year that you were not allowed meal or rest breaks or bathroom breaks? That was absolutely <laughs> off, off limits for staff. Funny yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it was it was it was a brutal work environment. Actually, quite to the contrary, it was, it was a very nice place to work. Nice people. They're doing great yeah, work. And, and so and, are you, Dan. Yeah, we and appreciate then I, you. And then, I got, and then I got an offer to become a political an editor on the editorial board and the columnist at the Sacramento Bee, which, uh, which, which at the time was a great job. job. Dan, so it was Dan a good job. I have one last question before I know we want to wrap up. We so appreciate your time. What was one experience in all your years of reporting that you are particularly proud of? One particular story? Was there a particular project? Was there something that you looked back on and thought, wow, we, we did some real good there. That was a good, good effort. I mean, the 2008 presidential campaign was, you know, it was it was it was historic. It was and, and I, I had an opportunity to, to play a significant role in the coverage of that. So I you know, spent a lot of time in Chicago, in Illinois, trying to understand Barack Obama and where he came from and 
fair amount of time trying to understand Hillary Clinton and her politics and, and ultimately John McCain's. And so it was a, that was, that was a real high point, and and I felt like at, in my twenty seventh year at the LA Times, it was it was going to be hard to beat that, and and so I was real honored to have had a role in that campaign in the coverage of that campaign. Dan, you've been a great guest. Thank you very much. This is Brian Cabotek with Cabot Talks. We're looking to get to double digit listeners next month. It's going to be big for us. <laughs> aim high, aim high, brother. Dan, thank, thank you, you so much. It's wonderful. We miss you at the Sacramento and California Press Corps, but we know you're enjoying life and you've got a lot of busy stuff going on right now and we'd love to have you back sometime. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you all very much. Thanks for listening to Cabot Talks. If you liked what you heard, give us a positive review, a thumbs up, a high five, whatever. Leave a comment, share, and subscribe. We're two brothers, two opinions, one California. Cabot Talks. Cabot Talks.